It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Suckman Podcast here with Benji. As usual, for stage 19 of the Tour de France, what looks like a basic transition stage, it certainly was, but it got a bit ugly at the end, some stuff for Benji and I to discuss, uh, yeah, with the celebration on the finish line. But this show is supported by La Col. As usual, they produce performance cycling apparel. This stage was from Morin to Le Bon, 208Ks. As I said, nothing really. A few rollers uh, maybe made it difficult for the brake to be controlled and maybe De Koenig couldn't be bothered controlling it. And it's easier to send a man in the brake. But I didn't catch the intermediate sprint, Benji. I was getting my arms redressed were bike exchange trying to take max points on Cavendish at the top of that little climb I assume well actually like the initial part of the stage started off oddly as we didn't have a six-man breakaway having the ability of getting away now it took a while before this break was formed but it included the following riders Julian Bernard, Jonas Ruch, Mohoric, Clark, Zimmerman and Bonamour eventually we did have the likes of a Matches team to push it a bit harder before the intermediate sprint and try and put some pressure there because they did want that intermediate sprint. But then a crash happened in the peloton, two actually. And in one of those, Cavendish was involved with multiple riders of the Koenig. Now, it didn't look like anyone was very badly hurt in these crashes. I could be wrong, but I didn't notice it at least. And they all seemed to come back. And what was funny was in the peloton, we had just another attack coming by Tom Squins and also... Kwiatkowski, free Kwiato was happening and exact moment that some people were behind and Pogacar didn't like that. So he solo rode 20 <laughs> meters from the peloton to those two riders ahead. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you shouldn't be attacking right now. And uh, Kwiatkowski was like, but hey, I just followed Thumbs here. <laughs> so a bit of a funny moment, but yeah, that begs the question, like, is it is it the role of a yellow jersey to step in at that moment and say, okay, you shouldn't be racing away while a breakaway is already gone and some people are left behind, including, coincidentally, three teammates of UAE. So, yeah, eventually another crash happened, same story, and Pogacar once again went to the front to Alpecin, who was pacing. This is an interesting thing to talk about, perhaps. A lot of people were mentioning that Alpecin shouldn't be pacing in this situation because, obviously, the Koenig is still there. This was just before the... Uh, crash of Cavendish, the second crash. And yeah, they were pacing behind the breakaway and the Koenig was not trying to keep the gap at three minutes. Is that something you think is a good idea for Alpsen to do here, knowing they've got arguably the second best sprinter if Wout van Aert doesn't sprint? Yeah, I think because Philipson has been coming, you know, consistently top three. Like he's come almost top three in every sprint, right? So he's not, it's not like he's far away. And also, Cavendish hasn't really made a mistake yet. So I think giving a little bit of assistance to keep the brake in check is acceptable, particularly if De Koenig will help. If you do it all yourself and De Koenig stay fresh, that's a problem. It's probably better at that point to get a man in the brake and not chase. For someone like DSM, the balance is completely shifted the other way around, where Bowl is struggling to even come top five 
in these sprints, uh, let alone consistently top two, three. So it's better to get someone like Casper Pedersen or Søren Kra if he was on form or, or here and you know not feeling unwell or whatever, get someone like them in a breakaway. So that's why Benji and I expected it to be a big ruler day. It's what we caught eventually because I think DSM – decided to not do what Alpsen did the other day, Benji, when they just they were like pulling and then they were like, mm, yeah. let's just get Casper Pedersen in the break. He was joined by, I mean, you've got the full list, Benji. It's the who's who of rulers, right? Yeah, a very, very large list of rulers. We've got Mike Dunison in there for uh, Jumbo and um, we've got Steven Turns for Trek. They already had Bernard in the breakaway, so three men in the attack at that moment. We had Ballerini. We also had three riders for Movistar, Arcas, Garcia Cortina, and Valverde. We're going to talk about them in a second. Paulet, Laporte, Dillier, Valgren. So a teammate for Ruch who is at the front. Jesper van Avermaet, Kasper Pedersen, like you said, Brent van Moor. Three riders of Astana, Freyla Grushdev, Izegire, and then Walscheid and Turgi. So quite a lot of riders, riders that are good on the flat section. And then the question became, are they going to be completely, completely let go? Because... There were some teams in the peloton that were starting to pace and not necessarily the teams I was like, okay, they're going to pace. Like, for example, ISN, Israel. That was apparently because Grapple's birthday is today. So I guess they have that one-off for Grapple, I guess. But most importantly, in my eyes, like Ineos. Why was Ineos pacing? I don't know, honestly. Maybe to get <laughs> try and bridge Kvyatkovsky across to the break. It's not really a hard enough stage for him compared to like, I, I love Kwiatkowski, but I'd still take someone like Moritz or, or Paulet or even Valgren in this sort of finish uh, or someone with yeah, more of a flat kick like Ballerini. So I don't know, Benji. I mean, I did say the other day, Chris Froome, stronger on the flat than Kasper Asgren. Where was Kasper Asgren? Nowhere. Chris Froome's pulling. Um Four-time Tour de France champion, aided by one-time Tour de France champion, Geraint Thomas. What is that, Benji? Eight million euro combined salary to <laughs> to do <laughs> the job of someone on 35,000 euro? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, it's funny, yeah, isn't right. it, on transition stage seeing that those guys pulling. But they – well, what was funny, Benji, is, is holding 40 seconds, 40 seconds, 40 seconds, and the break is not going like full beans. It, I yeah. wouldn't say the cooperation was 100%. I mean, you've got the Belgian trifecta of Sturven, Greg Van Avermaet <laughs> and, and Turns, and it's like, well, any break with them in it is fucked cooperation-wise. <laughs> if you look at stage 19 of the duel last year, just missing Trenton, and uh, at least not Belgian. But there was a team in that 20-man group, Movistar, with Ivan Garcia Cortina, Arcas to lead out Garcia Cortina and maybe Valverde to control the little uphill sections we had at the end. And as I said, the, the gap was 45 seconds and Israel going full, absolutely full. And it's like they can't do this for that long against a 20-man group who aren't yep. even doing it max. And Movistar made an interesting decision, Benji, from the car it must have been. Yeah, because like there was an attack going on in the second group, the chasing group, and it was splitting up. And not a single rider of Movistar decided to jump with the first portion of that break that was getting away. So you had a few people lose their presence in the chasing group because they didn't bother chasing, including two riders from Astana of the tree. So they also did a pretty bad job in there to try and keep as many riders as possible in that breakaway. Then Movistar, all three riders, not a single one in the front group, and Van Avermaet as well, if I recall correctly. So those are the six riders that were lost from the chasing group. Honestly, Garcia Cortina. 
and Movistar, what the fuck? <laughs> this is a genuine Netflix episode right now. Like, quite literally, they had three he's riders t- in the breakaway. He's top three which, quickest in the group, right? Exactly. He, well, there were a lot of fast men, so let's say top five to be safe. Top five for still, sure. They've got two riders to Domestique for him. And what do they do? They just drop back and they don't even try to bridge towards it. Like, <laughs> it's basically saying, oh, I don't feel like trying to go for this stage. They thought the peloton would catch because they were at 40 seconds. So they were trying to be big brain, I think, and not waste energy. They, that's what I think happened. There's no other explanation. For, three, <laughs> for five riders to get dropped will be in the wrong split, not that far behind. And they were sitting up. They weren't trying to get back. And three of those two, the Movistar guys, it must have been a coordinated decision. It's not like if Trek had like had one yeah, guy just Bernard, exactly. a small guy just misses it while Pollard's pulling. Okay, and this shit happens. But yeah, I mean, this is what I, I did like the Valverde in the break the other day. I did like Mal pulling for Valverde at Criterium de Dauphiné. But this is why they get a lot of criticism, and this is why they ended up with two professional wins last year because you have to be in it to win it. And the elastic problem, I think Mihai tweeted, it was beautiful what he tweeted on Twitter. He said, Mother starts sitting up to the break, will definitely win now. And then about three <laughs> minutes later, Israel just stopped because, they again, they can't do it forever. Gap goes to two minutes, no one takes over. It's done. I, I went, I was like, I had lunch. I was like, this is going to go to 10 minutes, no problem. It did. UAE basically having a laugh in the sun today. So I'm sure they had a lovely day on the bike, UAE celebrating Pagacha's yellow jersey. Um, so, yeah, big break goes. Turnison, uh, Sturvin, Benji? Yep. Yep, Turnison, not And who are the other quick men in there? That Laporte is quick. Ballerini. Ballerini. I think Casper Peterson sometimes. Yeah, I see more of an attacker. And then the yeah. attackers from long range were like Perlet, Pollitt, uh, Morich, Terji, and Jonas Ruch. I'm probably missing someone. So they're the sort of riders we're thinking about. And I think what we saw today is one team had numbers, Trek. But we saw that if you're a sprinter in this sort of break and you don't have a teammate, you're going to get picked on and hyper-focused on and expected to close gaps. Yep. And that's why we saw like like Ballerini was doing a lot of work, Benji. Attack started happening with 40Ks to go. Did he have a choice or were people just leaning on him to close every gap? Well, I think that it was more than that. I think that we just saw a few riders that were just blatantly going very hard the second that the first hills in the last 50 kilometers were happening because then there were some small hills and we saw attacks from like Jonas Ruch, who is probably trying to pressure everybody in the group to try and put Wagner in a seat or something because he was literally going full kamikaze mode and going all out, basically killing himself in the process, not literally, but figuratively. And energy-wise, he was going to blow up. You saw it. Like you were counting down the seconds towards him dropping from the group. And he did damage, but he didn't do the damage that he wanted. He did drop Ballerini eventually with some of his moves. Bonamour as well, very similar kind of kind of tactics here. He was being great for the entire Tour de France, but he followed, I think, the early moves too much today, like that Jonas Rich attack. And yeah, I, I just thought Jonas Rich was probably doing a bit too much for uh, for his liking and for the for the benefit of his team <laughs> as well, because that was a uh, that was insane. He's he's one of the lowest IQ riders, I reckon. I think we've seen. <laughs> Mate, he, he's really strong, Jonas Thruch, but some of his decision-making. Remember that 
whole stage somewhere where he was like trying Paranese. to get someone. Yeah. Paranese stage six. Kenny Ellison had been in a break for four hours. He's 50 kilos down a false flat downhill. <laughs> he rooches attack late. Now, that attack was actually quite good. Yeah. But he attacked late out of the peloton Cavagna style before the final climb. He's on a false flat downhill at 65 k's an hour trying to get Kenny to pull it. And Kenny literally can't hold his wheel. And he's like thinking that there's tactics involved. It was... It was hilarious and it made my thumbnail. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. We'll, we'll wrap this up quickly. <laughs> attack, attack, attack. There is a short little climbing section at the end of this stage with like all 40, 38 Ks to go, yep. rolling short hills. Pollitt puts everyone on the limit after uh, all the attacks from Jonas. Roger Bonnemore has been closing them down. Ballerini has been dropped with Sylvain Dillier and then they're leaning on him and he blows up. And it's Mohoric who'd been in the break all day Bahrain had even chased him at the start of the day when he was in the break. This is before the Rulers got there. And he basically gets onto Niels Pollitt's wheel. Pollitt finishes his action and straight after, like literally as Pollitt's pulling off, he timed it perfectly. He attacks full gas. And I think Bonnemore, who'd been pretty on the limit, loses his wheel. Everyone looks at each other. There's your 10 seconds straight away for Mohoric. Apparently it was headwind and a little bit of false flat uphill as well for like there's a lot of these sort of up and down climbs and uh, cooperation in the group behind is not great. Turnison, people are worried about because he's quick and he's not really pulling that well. Gap goes to 30 seconds and I was like, this is done. Yeah. And I, I think it's just people underestimating Morris, Benji. I think – I still think he's underestimated by the broader peloton. I think so as well, but I think that in general it's also just a, a way that this goes. You've got, first of all, quite simply someone getting away they're not really cooperating instantly because they're like, you need to close it, you need to close it. And you don't get closer the moment that you are cooperating well. So that's demotivating. That man is riding insane gears right now at the front. It's crazy. And if one guy skips a turn, it demotivates another rider even more and the chain continues. It's just a, a vicious circle of getting more and more demotivated as time goes by. And Unless there's a light point where at a certain point there's a move that actually gets them closer, it's very unlikely that a group like that comes back. We've seen it the entire Tour de France. Yep. Every single time that we see an attack like this, it usually ends up sticking. And this was a perfect moment because Ruch had basically put everybody into complete tiredness in that group, except for Mohoric. And Mohoric went on the hill on what he is better at. So at that moment, it was quite simply a, a perfect move to get away. and. Then you're looking at the second group and you're like, oh, and Trek two Trek riders. Yeah. They didn't look like they had too much energy. You would say you'd put one at the front and just go all out, but they didn't do that decision. Is that because they were too tired? It's possible. But yeah, I think that it was done the second he was gone and it's Mohoric. So he's pretty great at riding solo. He He's basically made an MO of these kind of victories in his history so far. And it's the second one in this Tour de France. So congratulations to the lad but then came the finish line yeah well and as i said it's like with molama if you get that 30 seconds then people start thinking about second place and then you've already won and as soon as you get that 30 to 45 seconds that's what happened pedersen called or valgren or attacking each other turnison um so yeah here's the i'll do the final results first morich first laporte he attacked he did like a 10 sitting 10 seconds in front of the the rest of the chasers he was second ahead of pedersen third then turnison pollitt Turns, Valgren, George Zimmerman for Intermarche, Turgis, Sturvin, 10th. Uh, so Trek, 
yeah, they couldn't really use the numbers too well and maybe Sturman was a bit tired as well. And also I think DSM still validated their strategy for going in the break because third for Pedersen is better than what Bowl would have. But before we get into the big drama of this stage, Benji, I know we've just done the results. This podcast is supported by our show partner, Lacole. Lacole produced performance cycling apparel made at the base of Monte Grappa in Veneto in Italy. If you're interested in picking up any Lacole kit during the Tour de France, I think it's only for the next week or so or whenever the tour finishes you can use code LRTDF20 for 20% off all Lacolo items there's the project McLaren Aero collaboration which can give you some free speed maybe I was going too fast on that descent maybe the breakaway needed the Lacolo McLaren Aero collection today who knows but if you want to get 20% off you can use LRTDF20 thanks to Lacolo for supporting the podcast the big news from this stage Benji after the police raid of their hotel the other night, which apparently they just took their training files or whatever, and it's based on anonymous sources that no one really knows about, Mohoric, as he's crossing the line posting up, does a silent symbol and then zips his lips um, with his hand, with his finger as he crosses the line. And I'm like, for context, for history, Lance Armstrong got in a break. I think it was, oh, I don't know, it was mid-2000s. Armstrong like marked a break when he was in the yellow jersey with Simeone in it, a guy called Simeone who'd been, yep. who was testifying in a uh, hearing about Ferrari. Armstrong wouldn't let the break go with this guy in it and then he went to he turned to the cameras and zipped his lips, which is basically saying stick. what Armstrong was saying was don't don't talk or break a murder. And now Moharich is doing this two days after their hotel has been raided what, what does he think people are going to take from that? Surely his press officer is just like, mate, you have caused us a whole world of hurt here. <laughs> yeah, I think so as well, because like you come into the situation, you can obviously have like, he's probably angry that his hotel got raided. We can, we can, we can be in that perspective. Let's say that your hotel gets raided and you're actually completely innocent and so forth. You're going to talk about, okay, this is not something fun. Well, what is this? Come on. Like, yeah. Uh, shush the haters some reaction like that it's indeed exactly the one that armstrong used does he know that that is the question and if he doesn't then it's the advocate of the devil thing like he it could potentially not know the historical history <laughs> of the of what he does but it it's it is oh, like it's about the worst celebration he could have done the shushing no the shushing one yeah, that's a good, that's normal. Merlier did that. That just means fuck yeah. the haters, you know, and when exactly. people are saying you're not that good or un, exactly. you know, it, people are underrating. That's normal. But the zipping implies, that implies don't break a murder. And I was like, I, I can't believe it. In the Tour de France, he's doing the celebration. And how old's Morich? I mean, Pagatch is only 22. He, cause when he, he was nine know, at that time, apparently. People made a big deal about Pogacar's rest day answers in his second in a second third language for a guy that was probably like six years old when Armstrong was winning, and they made a big deal about that. Morich is what twenty six. Maybe he doesn't know the significance of it. We barely mentioned the police raid. Me and Benji were like, "Yeah, it happened. They didn't find anything. Arkea happened last year. Nothing came of it." I wasn't going to mention it again. Why would I? Even even with Morich winning the stage, I was. But now he's done this. I'm like. Hold on, why are you doing this? But anyway, maybe just a lost in translation thing. I think he said afterwards, Benji, he wasn't even doing good watts when he won. He just um, the group behind wasn't cooperating. I don't know. Maybe he got it. I think he got a good draft off the motos too, which isn't his fault. That's just gamesmanship. But yeah, are you 
What do you think will come of this? Do you think there'll be a statement from Bahrain about it? I think that he's probably going to have to talk about it at some point again. He's going to get asked about it. Like, even if he doesn't know the significance of the historical value of what he did, it's like, it's going to follow him a bit. Because like on Twitter, everybody's talking about it. Like, you know, that that's going to happen. Like people that know about the historical meaning, they're going to talk about it like that. And yeah, perhaps it's a huge mistake that he did it. It is a huge mistake that he did it, whether it was on purpose or not. I don't know. I can't tell you. Yeah. Anyway, weird ending to basic transition stage of the Tour de France. <laughs> Benj, I was so surprised. I thought he was just going to cross the line. I was shocked. Like, yeah. Slovenians have what won like five or six stages of this tour already, Benji. They're going to win, maybe win tomorrow as well. Yeah, I think so as well. You think Pogac is, okay, we're about to preview that stage from Le Bon to Saint-Emilion. Bit of a rolly TT, 31 kilometers. Uh, I don't think... I don't think Pagash is losing yellow tomorrow. That's why everyone tunes into this podcast. Um, but who do you think is winning the stage? Benji Wapanat, Kung Vingegaard, Tari Pagacha. Am I missing anyone? Essiger. Yeah, that's the big names, I think. I would have had like him, Pogacar, as the winner of the stage because it's third week, likely still in good form, hasn't shown too much like going down in, in form curve throughout the Tour de France. So... That's why I have him for this, but you've always got these kind of surprises in, in late Grand Tour stages. I think that Thomas de Gend often surprised in the past. He's not looking too great this time around, so I wouldn't put him on my list. But I think that we were surprised mainly by the amount of Danes that were like riding very well in the other TT. We had Vingegaard, we had, I think, um, Søren Kranderson doing pretty well, Magnus Kortz, uh, Asgren, so... I wouldn't surprise me if a Dane gets close again, but I'm still going to say uh, Pogacar for this one personally. But obviously, as a Belgian, I wouldn't be overly sad if Fanad accidentally took it. Accidentally. I mean, maybe <laughs> he took today off. He got a rest day today. He's not, I wouldn't say he's had like the hardest third week as compared yeah. to, say, Jonas. Well, Fanad, he didn't go on the break in stage 16. I'd love to see Stefan Kuhn win this TT. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't think he'll be Pogacar. It depends Problem on Pogacar. Is- yeah. It's not going to be Bissiger because at the moment that he starts, it's going to start raining. Exactly. So. I forgot that. It's done for. <laughs> Bissiger is a, rain, is a human rain dance. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what the odds are. It really depends on whether Pagacha goes full. I mean, people have been saying, oh, maybe he goes easy so Jonas can win. But then I'm like, nah. Nah, I don't, that's, I don't think that's how professional How about GC? Works. You see the oh, yeah. changes happening? Gelderman versus O'Connor? My money's on Kelderman there. 32 seconds. Okay, so the difference between them is 32 seconds. In the stage five ITT, ah, I'm not, not going to look at Kelderman's performance. just fell on his elbow, yeah, of course. I'm not going to look at Kelderman's performance. I'm going to look at O'Connor's. Where did he come? Because uh, I'm going to assume Kelderman's going to do much better than yeah. his one there. O'Connor in that TT lost four minutes and Oof. 50. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost <laughs> 150, 156 so he was okay. behind mass yeah he's i think kelderman if he's if his elbow's fine he's gonna toast him yeah mass versus lutsenko for sixth and seventh Ooh, that's a better question oh now i'm having a what's the difference between them uh one minute and 11 seconds 
I think Lushenko can do it. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me either, to be honest. Last is better in third weeks, though. Uh, yeah. He looked good the other day. He should have good power. But, yeah, I think that'll be close. I think Kelderman does have the edge, but maybe O'Connor Benji is a lot different, his attitude, yeah. surely, this one than stage five one. Yeah. I've got a final one, and it's a, a pretty big question. How much did Guillaume Martin lose on the previous time trial? He lost 3 minutes 15. No, he didn't. Now, yeah, he lost 3 minutes 15 in the time trial. So I'm questioning, (laughs) can he, for example, lose three minutes 30 to Uran and a minute to Bilbao and then 10 instead of 8th? Holy, I just realized. So he's only, yeah, so Bilbao should beat him. Yeah, Uran's going to be close. Uran, a minute and a half. He should beat him. It's a longer TT, right? (laughs) Than the other one. Yeah, exactly. Well, wow. it's not a minute and a half. It's three minutes 40 in between NMGC. Oh, true. Yeah, still, Guillaume Martin, maybe he wasn't trying Benji. Maybe we're not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think in terms of Jonas, I mean, second is locked up unless he crashes yeah. or something. Uh, so we're not expecting the top three to change in any order. It's really Kelderman and Ghana. That's the uh, big watch tomorrow. But hope you enjoyed the recap. Uh, we'll have the TT recap tomorrow. Let us know down below what you think about the whole Morich um, zipping the lips gesture at the end of the of this stage 19. We can see your comments below, or if you listen on podcast players, uh, tweet at us at Lantern Rouge, Lantern Rouge CP, hashtag LRCP. But until tomorrow, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 